two years ago, I came into the church, and at that time, I was doing church all the time. I wasn't doing much of Alcoholic Anonymous. And at the church, they had uh, flyers out there that said, smuggle Bibles into communist countries. Huh. Sign up. And I was about to put my name on the list, and then I read where it says you need $2,500. Sounds pretty pretty cool, huh? Two-week trip, smuggle Bibles into against rifles. And, and uh, the pastor, I said, I don't have $2,500 at that time. Today I got plenty. And then he said, he said, it's a faith thing, Fernando. You, it's a faith thing. You'll act like faith. Put your name down and your actions down and act like you're going. We're going to have barbecues and we're going to raise money. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, to make a long story short, we raised for myself about 3500 I came back with $1,000 more than that. I didn't use all the money. You know, a lot of people got in back of it. All my family members got excited. Everybody put like nephews and everything that I was going to go to a communist country and smuggle Bibles. And we trained and we separated when we got on the airplane. We had a practice being uh, tourists or students. I was a little old to be saying a student. When we got to that country, the guy looked at my papers and he said, he said, what are you doing here? He goes, well, I'm a student. And he looked at me. And he motioned a guard that was standing there with a rifle on the, uh, standing by the, by the window. And I guess it was late. It was four o'clock. That guard didn't, didn't had, must have had a grudge against him. He didn't budge. He just bugged. He just stood what he was. And I think they were ha- having changing of the guard right there. And it's been a long day. Um, so he just threw my papers and I walked, walked through. They put my my bags on the scanners with another two different men and they looked like they were they were blue or red in the face because of the humid and the heat and they uh they didn't even look at the scanners they were just looking at me and in the scanner i can see all the bibles being x-rayed and i can see all the bibles going i had 19 of them Big text Bibles, heavy, heavy Bibles, you know, and I smuggled the most of all the guys that were there. I want as much as I can and do as much as I could. And when we got there, we delivered them to uh, to businessmen. And that was a fiasco because there was uh, a range, what do they call it, moonstone rain or whatever. And man, there was water all over the place. We couldn't find the place. I had to get on foot and go up to the to the to the hills, while everybody let, waited in the taxi. And it was all espionage. We did separate it before we got on the airplane. A few guys almost flipped. They thought it was too dangerous. They started thinking about their families and stuff, and they didn't want to go. They finally drew. We dragged them in the airplane, and. Uh, it was a lot of fun. The most fun I had, you know, we delivered the Bibles. We got through it. I did have some hiccups and some more run-in with more uh, military that were yelling at me. I don't know what they were saying, but I was avoiding them. I already learned how to be smug and just walk away, just like that other. And anyway, but when we were out there, we stopped at... Uh, we got it successfully in there, we, we success, and then from there we started touring and going to underground churches in the area and encouraging them, and, and you know, they've been beat up and so humble, and they're just ble- they gleam and they beam with the glory of God, the people there, because they, they can't worship freely. They can't read their word of God openly like we can. Um... But I picked up a book in South Korea, in uh, Seoul, Korea. We had, a, we had a layover there, and I suggested that we go to the biggest church in the, well, we, in our nine hours. So on the way back, we stopped in there, 
and we saw the big church, Yongi David Cho's church, 800,000 members or something like that. Just a huge church. When they have a, a middle in the week meeting, they have a Bible study, 250,000 people show up. So it's huge. But I went into the bookstore and I was surprised that they had books in English. And I picked up this book there called The Fourth Dimension, Volume One. Discovering a New World of Answered Prayer. I opened it last night. I couldn't sleep. It was about 1.32 in the morning. I got up and I said, I'm wide awake. And I opened it and I said, God, speak to me. And this is what he said. Many people have great problems in their homes because they do not have family altars. If the father maintains a family altar and speaks clearly about the presence of Jesus Christ in the home and in the family... He can create the presence of Jesus Christ and Jesus can take care of all the family problems. But since many neglect the family altar, they neglect speaking the clear presence of Jesus Christ and their children are left without the full blessings of God. Wow. You know, the Lord did speak to me once and said, I'm not pronouncing his name loud enough and often enough to activate the benefits and the power and the strength and the joy. You know, I'm praising Jesus. So if I'm going to put an altar in my home, I would put a place where I can put a statement of Jesus, what he said, have a Bible study around it, that altar and have a scripture on the wall and every week have a Bible study and every week have the scripture that we're memorizing of Jesus. And then at the end, test them. At the end of the week, test them. When the new Bible study comes in, everybody talks. Mother, everyone talks about that scripture, speaks about that scripture. They have the Bible study. And then they present the new scripture for the week, and they put it on the altar. What's going to go on the altar? Well, you're going to have in bold letters a poster of today's scripture, you know, and then have Bibles or Bibles on the altar there open that subconsciously, peripheral vision, as people walking back and forth, they can see that that altar belongs to Jesus. That, that altar, you have a communion glasses there, taking communion and so forth. And this is your altar to worship and honor the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Master, our Savior counselor brother savior amen and we give him honor that is a very good way to have an altar i have my hands on my altar right now and i i also have a big plastic rock that looks just like the one jesus was praying on when he was kneeling so amen so let me read it again let me read the paragraph before it and then that one and then that will end our study for today it says, Yonghee Cho, Dr. David Yonghee Cho says, You create the presence of Jesus with your mouth. If you speak about salvation, the saving Jesus appears. If you speak about divine healing, then you will have the healing Christ in your congregation. If you speak the miracle performing Jesus, then the presence of the miracle performing Jesus is released. He is bound by your lips and by your words. He is depending on you, and if you do not speak clearly because of your fear of Satan, how will Jesus manifest his power to this generation? So speak boldly. Many people have great problems in their homes because they do not have a family altar. If the father maintains a family altar and speaks clearly about the presence of Jesus Christ in the home and in the family, he can create the presence of Jesus Christ and Jesus can take care of all the family problems. But since many neglect the family altar, they neglect speaking the clear presence of Jesus Christ and their children are left without the full blessings of God. You do not, you do, and the third paragraph says, you do not need to wait until you receive any special spiritual gift. I have always said the spiritual gift resides in the Holy Spirit. You yourself can never own a spiritual gift. Suppose I had the gift of healing, 
then indiscriminately I would heal everyone who sought me for healing. If I had the gift I would give to everyone, I would not be truly discerning. The Holy Spirit sees a need and then allows the operation of a gift to flow through someone to meet that need. It is important that all the gifts reside in the Holy Spirit, for it is the Holy Spirit who dwells in your truth, in your church, and dwells in you. Through Him, you can have every type of ministry, the ministry of teaching, the ministry of evangelism, the ministry of missions, the ministry of pastoring, and the ministry of divine healing. Through you, as His channel, the Holy Spirit manifests Himself, so do not worry about your acquisition of any of the gifts. Be bold. Receive the gift of boldness. Be brave. Receive the gift of braveness. Then speak the word. Speak the word clearly and create a specific presence of Jesus Christ. Release a specific presence of Jesus Christ to your congregation and you're going to get specific results. A father can create the presence of Jesus Christ through his spoken word and Jesus can take care of all his family problems. So in the same way, I come to my church to speak a message and plant specific seeds to harvest specific results. I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. Praise you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We praise you, Jesus, that you restore all our finances. You restore our youth like the eagle. You restore us, Lord God. You crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies, Lord. You have redeemed us from the from destruction, Lord. You restore us. You have healed us from all our iniquities. You have forgiven our iniquities. You have healed us from all our diseases. Restore, Lord Jesus Christ. Restore this day our joy. Restore, Lord, our resources like the river of the Negev. In your name we pray and we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Ultimately, your word molds your life, for your speech center controls all the nerves. That is why speaking in another tongue is the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit takes over the speech center, he takes over the nerves and over the body and controls the entire body. So when we speak in other tongues, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak the word to control and to brittle your whole body and your whole life. Give the word to the Holy Spirit so that he can create something of it. Then create and release the presence of Jesus Christ through your spoken word. So brothers and sisters, let us make use of the spoken word for success in our personal lives, for material with which the Holy Spirit can create, and for the purpose of creating and releasing the presence of Jesus Christ. Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is depending on you and me for our spoken word to be released, to release his presence. What are we going to do with this Jesus who is writing on our tongue? Are we going to release him for the blessing of others? Or are we going to lock him up with a still tongue and closed mouth? May God bless us as we make our decision and our actions. In Jesus' name, so everybody say out loud with me. Jesus, restore. Jesus, restore. Restore, Jesus, restore. Restore us, Lord, from the foundations of the, of the world, Lord God. Restore us. We are good with the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Be blessed. We are listening to Marvin G. Barney, Dr. Barney. He's talking about the Lord. He's reading scripture. Genesis 1, 11 through 12. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so, and the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Presenting a 30-minute segment of Faith Fellowship Community Church and the pastor 
is Dr. Melvin G. Barney. So please listen up. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see what your spirit is saying to our churches. Show us how to prosper. Restore, Lord. Restore our resources. Restore our finances. Restore in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God in the heavens, that it will never be a problem again. We have victory over our finances, victory over our health, victory over our ministries, victory over problems and situations, victory over discouragement and despair and loneliness. We are more than conquerors through Christ that strengthens us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We will win. Why? Because we have faith, courage, and enthusiasm through our Lord Jesus Christ. We see it. We believe it. We take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's Dr. Barney. If you plant it, it will grow via YouTube. herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And also from Luke chapter 8, 11, verse 11, the uh, B clause reads, the seed is the word of God. And then for today's message, we're going to travel over to Galatians chapter 6. Beginning at verse 7, reading through verse 9, also from the New King James translation of the Bible, which says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever, look at somebody and say whatever. A man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing well. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I like the King James Version on that one which says, if we faint not. Amen. Just celebrate the Lord as you take your seat. In 1995, a film was released which starred Keanu Reeves, Ayutana Sanchez Gijon, Anthony Quinn, and Giancarlo Gianni, Giannini. And in this film, the storyline that was interest to me, of interest to me was that this family built an empire on grapevine. This family was filthy rich, and it all started from the labor of a single patriarch who had years and years earlier started, moved to this country with one grapevine root. The name of the movie, some of you may be familiar with it, is A Walk in the Clouds. And what's interesting about this particular film and movie is that it starts off with us getting a picture, giving you a picture of the vineyard and the miles and miles of vineyards that all started from one grapevine root. But at some point in the story, the crop gets set on fire and the entire harvest and everything that they had gets destroyed. So in the movie, when this happens, uh, the family is distraught, of course. But the character of Keanu Reeves' character remembers being told by the patriarch that it all started with one root. And so what he did was he went out to locate that one single root and brought it back to the family. They were encouraged when they saw it. And the father said, 
If you plant it, it will grow. Look at somebody and tell them, if you plant it, it will grow. Play that clip for me. He's showing us clips from the movie right now about how a walk in the clouds, they're looking at the uh, at the what's left of the burnt acreage, the root. If you plant it, it will grow. Plant it. It will grow. Come on, one more time. Celebrate the Lord with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In this series of teaching, uh, from week to week, there are three major points that I've emphasized. Number one, there is nothing more important to life and to quality of life and to the future of life than seed. The second point that I've emphasized is that some of the most important decisions that you can make in life involve decisions that were made with your seed. And then the third point that I've emphasized from week to week is that in order to survive, in order to flourish, in order to excel, you've got to know what to do with your seed. And because the devil knows these points better than most of us, one of the things that he has purposed is to launch an attack against your seed. But if we get this, if we understand this principle, if we really, really get it, then no matter how things get, or no matter how lean it gets, you are not going to eat your seed. If we really get this concept, if we really understand this principle, then no matter how long you have to wait, and no matter how tired you get while you're waiting, you are not going to pluck up your seed. If you really understand this concept, if you really get this principle, then no matter how rocky it gets, and no matter how many nights you have to cry yourself to sleep, you are not going to abandon your seed. If you really get this concept, and if you really understand this principle, then no matter how frustrated you get, and no matter how many times you are tempted to walk away, you are not going to curse your seed because the power is in the seed. Now let me draw on some few lessons that I take from the movie. The first lesson that I would like to take from the movie is this. You can build an empire if you know what to do with a single seed. You can build an empire if you know what to do 
with a single seed. We have a tendency to compare ourselves to other individuals and compare what we have to what other people have and get discouraged because it seems like they have so much and it seems like we have so little and it seems like everything is going so well for them and it seems like nothing is going well for us. But God put the power in the seed to make itself come to pass and you have the power to change your situation. From this movie, one principle that we learned is that you can build an empire if you know what to do with your seed. Over in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, again, New King James, it says, Jesus said to them, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the fruit, the full grain in the, in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. God just made it a spiritual law. God just made it a spiritual principle. If you spend all your time to figure out how it's going to work, you're going to miss God. It works because it works. It comes to pass because it comes to pass. It happens because God said it was going to happen. So what our job is to do is not concern ourselves with the how, not concern ourselves with the what, the why, and all those other questions that we can have, and concern ourselves with the obedience. In that movie, one of the first scenes that we see when they arrive, when they arrive at that per the people's house, at the people's, and it was more than just a house, it was an empire. But one of the first things that they show us is the miles, and miles, and miles, and miles of grapevine. And one of the things that the patriarch teaches in that movie is that all of that came from one You can build an empire if you know what to do with your seed. Now, let me give you a second lesson that I took from the movie. You don't have to start with a lot. You don't have to start with a lot. You can start with whatever you've got. Some of us are waiting for our change to come to start. And those of us who've been waiting for our change to come to start have been waiting for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I ain't gonna go no higher than that. But look at what could have been accomplished during those 20 years, those 30 years, those 40 years that you've been waiting. It's the trick of the enemy to get us to wait. The devil is a liar. I don't need to wait for something to happen for me to sow my seed. Sow my seed when I have it. I don't have as much as I want. That's the reason why I need to sow. If the, the less you have, the more important it is for you to get this. I don't have a lot, then thank God for this seed. Because I can change my situation if I know what to do with this seed. But now we've got to be long-term minded also. Because if we look for everything to be instantaneous, we want a microwave blessing. It doesn't come from a microwave blessing. They didn't have microwave when Jesus talked about this. But it comes from whatever it takes and whatever the gestation time is. Because what Jesus did say is all you do is you sow it. And you get up and go to bed. And you get up and go to bed. And you get up and go to bed. And you're going to look around one day and it's going to be manifested. So in the movie, 
One of the things, this is what the patriarch said, and I really love this. He, he took the young guy and he was taking him through, just kind of walking through the place. And he told him, he said, in 1539 or whatever year it was, he said the first Aragon came from Spain to Mexico with a dream in his head, the clothes on his back, and a root from the family's vineyard inside his pocket. He says, come, I'll show you something. He says, now this is the root I brought with me. And this root is a descendant from the root that that first guy, that first Aragon brought with him. And then he says, all of our vines came from this one. He says, it's not just the root of Las Nubles, which is the name of their the place that they live. He said, it's the root of our lives. Mark chapter 4, verses 30 through 32 say, Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, look at the Bible say, when it's sown, he says, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. God doesn't need you to have a lot. He doesn't need for you to have a big old seed. All God needs you to do is understand that when you sow the seed that you have, even if it's a mustard seed, it's going to grow. And from it, it's going to reap a harvest. And all you've got to do is be obedient. Look at somebody and say, sow your seed. The third lesson that I took from the movie is this. Tragedy set in. Even when you're doing well, even when everything looks hunky-dory, tragedy then. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Some, we made, some of us have made bad decisions from our past. And we're reflecting, since we've been teaching on this, these principles, we reflect on some of the things that we should have done with seed and mistakes that we made with seed. And then there are times that the cares of the world, as Jesus taught us, and the, the deceitfulness of riches and lust for other things enter in and they choke the word. And all those types of things set in. You know, life happens. And when life happens, the attempt is to wipe us out. Hallelujah. But what I found out in this movie is that you cannot give up just because life has happened to you. The happening of life to you does not in any wise mitigate or minimize the power of the word of God. And so, you know, this brings us back to, you know, that principle, the principle of the sower and the parable of the sower. And he talked about the wayside, which are the ones who hear the word. And Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts away from them. And then he talked about the ones that sown on good or stony ground. And the ones that hear the word and immediately they receive it with gladness. But because they don't have any root in themselves, they endure only for a season. They endure only for a time. But when tribulation or persecution arises because the devil doesn't want that word to be planted in your heart. When those things happen, they get offended and they fall away. And then he talked about the ones that are sown among thorns. And these are the ones that hear the word, but because of the cares of the world. They, they wrapped up and tied up in the news. They can't come to church because the news is on. And they don't want to miss what CNN is talking about. So instead, of, they'd rather miss God than to miss CNN. The cares of the world. The deceitfulness of riches. I got to work two jobs. I got to work 14-hour days, six days a week. Because I got to get paid. Because I'm going to get me the biggest house I can get. And I'm going to get me the biggest car I get. And what they don't understand is they get into God and put all of that energy into God. He said, I'll give you houses that you did not build. 
and the lust for other things enter in. And all that those things enter in, the Bible says, and it chokes out the life of the word. Then he said there's the final category, which are the ones that are sown on good ground. There's only four categories that you can fall into. It's going to be either you're going to fall by the wayside, stony ground, thorns, or good ground. And I don't know about you, but I made up my mind a long time ago that I was going to have the word of God sown on good ground of my heart. I made up my mind a long time ago that I want the blessings of God to manifest in my life. I made up my mind a long time ago that I plan to walk in victory and I plan to walk in power and I plan to walk under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He said the ones that are sown among good ground are the ones that hear the word. They accept it and they bear fruit. They're not fighting it. They're not arguing with it. They're not trying to understand it. They're just getting with it. Look at somebody say, get with it. He said some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. So life happens. And life happens to all of us. The question is, what do we do when life happens? The question is, how do we respond when life happens? Do we get mad at God and walk away when life happens, or do we draw close to the God? I can remember, you know, you know, in, in some, especially you mothers, you you know this, especially when your children are small. You know how when your children are small and they're misbehaving. I'm talking about when they may be three years old or something like that. They're really small and they're misbehaving, and so you might just pat them one time to tell them to stop misbehaving, and you might just tap them a little one one little tap on their bum bum, and they immediately start crying. Because they can't believe that you did that to them. But then they lift up their hands for you to pick them up. Uh, because instead of running away from you, they come towards you. That's what we've got to do with God. Instead of running away from him, come closer to him. The Bible says if you draw not to him, not to him, he will draw not to you. Come on and celebrate the Lord with me. So Satan comes after the word. He comes after the seed. And do you know what? Your mind is the battleground. Your mind is the battleground. So in the movie, a fire sets in. Show, show the clip of that fire with, without the volume. In the movie, a fire sets in. A tragedy sets in. And the fire destroys the miles and miles and miles of problems. And you see how they are devastated. They're looking at it like, that's our life. That's everything. Tragedies set in. Now, interestingly, they were so distraught that they were ready to throw in the towel. If you, got, if you all saw the movie. They were so distraught, they were ready to throw in the towel. They were ready to give up. But Keanu Reeves' character remembered what the patriarch told him. He remembered, the patriarch took me through all of this abundance. And they had, he had, they had actually enshrined that one root. That one plant that grew from that root, they enshrined that because they recognized that this is where everything started from. And so he makes his way through all of their, the, the burn and, and, and so on and so forth, and he finds his way to that one root. And even though the plant itself had been burned, he, as you notice, we saw that a little earlier, he pulled the root up out of the ground. He took it back to the family and said, this is where y'all started. Can we do this thing? Can we have a, tie, a take two? And so the father cuts through with his knife. You saw that he cuts through with his knife. And he said, the root is still alive. The seed is still alive. Even though tragedy set in, the word of God is still alive. Even though you're going through what you're going through, the word of God is still alive. Even though there's mishaps, the word of God is still alive. Even though you made mistakes in your past, the word of God is still alive. And so the man 
said to him, if you plant it, it will grow. So lesson number four from the movie is that if you understand and apply the principles of seed time and harvest, no matter what the tragedy, tragedy was, no matter how devastated you were as a result of the tra tragedy, no matter what's going on, no matter how, things bleak, how bleak things look, you coming back. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. Hallelujah. This is a principle. This is a spiritual law. It's just like gravity. I don't care whether you believe in gravity or not. If you walk on top of this building and come to the edge of it and you keep on walking, you're going down. Because whether you believe in gravity or not, gravity is a law. It's there, it's established. And it's the same thing with these spiritual laws and these spiritual principles. He said, I don't care what it is. If you sow it, you're going to reap it. It could be some bad stuff. He said, those of you who get things out of, out of context, and those of you who don't understand who you are, and don't understand the power that you have, you're so busy sowing in something uh, that is corrupting your flesh. Uh, you're sowing into things uh, that are sabotaging your blessing. Uh, you're sowing into things uh, that you're going to have to answer to God for. Uh, you got it twisted. Uh, he said, turn your mind on the right stuff. Uh, sow into the word of God. Because he said, those who sow into the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. The Word of God is Spirit. Sow the Word of God in your heart to wipe out all that other stuff. Sow the Word of God in your heart to wipe out the unbelief. Sow the Word of God in your heart to wipe out the confusion. Sow the Word of God in your heart. Come on and give God some praise. You've got to be willing to sow. You've got to be willing to sow. See, we want to harvest, but we don't want to sow. Unfortunately, God said how it works. You don't get a harvest if you don't sow. We sit back waiting on something. If they had that set back waiting on that root to grow, it would have stayed there. If you sit back and wait for some seed to grow uh, that you have not sown, uh, you're going to be sitting there and sitting there longer. And we're going to drive up and down the street past you. And you're going to still be sitting there. Get yourself up uh, and sow. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 24, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now look what he said here. Even when you were in kindergarten and you were in first grade and you they, one of the projects that they have you do is plant a seed. And some of us, you know, before the, before the, before the plant grew up, you, some of us dug it up. And if you, re, if you remember, when you dug it up and you looked at that seed, it looked different than it did when you planted it. It might be molded. It might be mildew. You remember that when you when you planted it, the shell was hard. See this? Now it's mushy. It looks nasty. Remember that? It looks nasty. But that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus said the way this thing looks is it's gonna look nasty. When you when you first plant your seed, it's gonna look good and beautiful. But before it grows up, you gonna go through some nasty stuff. Before it goes up, there's going to be some, some mold. There's going to be some mildew. 
There's going to be all kind of things that you're going to have to confront. All kind of things that you have to deal with. But be not deceived. God is not martyr for whatsoever a man sows. That also shall he reap. Come on and bless the Lord. And God, as I'm closing, God has all kind of strange things that he can require of you. Now remember through this series, we've been talking about the fact that seed, is, seed takes on multiple forms, right? We've talked about it, your dreams can be seed. Anything that you do with a future in mind, with an expectation in mind, is a seed. And so even when you obey God, because the scripture says if we are willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. God got the best set aside for you. You sit up here worried about some scraps. You are not the scraps type of person. God said the good of the land. He had, he had Israel down in Egypt. Now they hate, Egypt hated the Israelites. They hated them because they were shepherds. And that was an abomination, the Bible says, uh, to the to the to the uh, Egyptian. And yet the favor of God worked so uh, that even though they despised uh, hallelujah, the Hebrews, uh, God gave them the best of Egypt. Ha. Hallelujah! The Bible says God gave them Goshen. What's the best neighborhood of Sacramento? Tell me, what's the best neighborhood? Huh? El Grove? What else? Who? Green Avon, huh? El Dorado High, no? Huh? Granite Bay, over there where Bonnie and them live. Somebody says Somebody says San, San Francisco. Pastor Charlie said DPH. <laughs> Stretch your hands to a Pastor Charlie. But what did he tell Abraham? He said, Abraham, now you've had an opportunity to see my power. Now you've had an opportunity to see that I cannot lie. Now you have an opportunity to see that the word of God works itself out. And that I place within the word the power to make itself come to pass. Now you've had that opportunity. So now it's time for me to test you. Hallelujah. So he said, let me test you a little bit. You know that son that you love so much. You know that son that you would die for. You know that son that means the world to you. He says, take that son and sacrifice him like he is a thief. Y'all know the story. He said, sacrifice him uh, and make a burnt offering on of him. And the Bible says that Abraham at this point had walked so closely with God and was so convinced that God cannot lie that he rolled up early in the morning to go and sacrifice his son. And the Bible says that he got up there, lifted up the knife to slay his son, built an altar, Put the son on the altar. Lifted up the knife to slay his son. And the voice of the Lord spoke and said, Don't you dare put your hands on him. I just wanted to see if you would obey my word or not. I just wanted to see if you love me more than you love life itself. I just wanted to see if you had trust in me. And if you had confidence in me. Because when you've got trust in me, you know that I cannot lie. And because you've done that, because you've not withheld your seed from me, that which is significant and important to you, I'm about to blow you up. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. As the stars of the heaven, as the, sea, as the sand on the seashore, that's how your decisions shall be. Come on, saints, and praise God. Bless the Lord for his word. 
You have the power to change your situation. demonstration of what the power of the seed you know the things that were going through the mind my mind is the many seeds that we have sown financially out there and all the expected returns you know I heard Creffle Dollar say that um, that we're not getting a return because we're not reading the book of John enough you know and it kind of I've proven it to be true when I started reading 1 John chapter 1 through 5 for a year, out loud, daily basis, uh, in the beginning of the year, I had about over 30000 in debt and credit cards. At the end of the year, uh, I got married. I um, got rid of the 30000 and it wasn't long before I had over 30000 in lucrative. And everything just switched around. It just so happens that I got to a point where I saw Jesus paid it all. Jesus, it is finished. I put little stickums. And sure enough, the Word of God came true. Okay, the point is, I got into the Word. I read where it says, love. God is love every day out loud. And it says, love, 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 48 times. I believe, this is my personal opinion, that all the seeds that we have out there are dormant, waiting for us to increase in love. If we don't increase in love by reading the Word of God, we increase in anger. We're sowing our seeds in wrong areas. We can get involved in in. Uh, diamond search, gold search, or coin, uh, you know, involvement in other frivolous things other than the Word of God if we don't have the love of God. So God, you know, I guess we're going to get our rewards. If we don't get our rewards now from the seeds we've shown, then we'll get our rewards in heaven. So great is the mercies of God. We're grateful for the things you brought to our lives. Okay, recap. Reading the Word of God, 1 John 1-5, through 5, brings the love of God. Treasures, favor, good success, prosperity, establish the work of our hands, follow God's love. Period. That's been my experience, guys, and that's what I'm getting ready to do, is to read it right now and get my half hour in of reading 1 John 1-5, through 5, and John 14, 15, and 16 in different translations. That's what I believe in, and it's not difficult for me. So thank you so much for listening in on Sowing the Word of God. I hope you got something out of today's sermon. God bless you.